3: tuned into another Dolphins podcast thank you for joining us but we do have one severe issue going on today and that is there are three of us Jake Mendel Josh Houts and Merrick Brave and we need some Pepto we're feeling queasy we are at those upset stomachs we're hoping it doesn't turn into anything more detailed but we're gonna leave it at that gentlemen another Dolphins podcast we're doing it we're gonna go through the positions of the Miami Dolphins that make us feel queasy but Merrick before we get into that I don't know if you listened to our last pod, but Josh and I had a deep, deep discussion where we accepted the fact that Wednesdays with Merrick kind of, they, they come out on Thursdays. So we might have to change the name to Thursdays with Merrick for the sake of it actually coming out on Thursdays. Shoot. I don't even, I don't even know when this one's coming out.
0: Is this a, a Fridays with Merrick? Is this any, weekends with Merrick? What are we doing here?
1: Any day that I'm ends in with, with Y Merrick. with Merrick, Ooh. any day that ends in Y with Merrick, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yep.
0: well, my bad. Let me apologize to the listeners out there. I was having some internet problems as I often do out here in Iowa. I think our, 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 our cables, they're not, uh, they're not as up to date as you guys on the East coast. You guys get everything first. And then decades later, it trickles down to us. So my apologies. It was my fault that this
3: episode didn't come out on time, but you know, better late than never. Right. It's what I'm screaming. And it was funny because we were sitting here and, you know, we're, we're doing more. Uh, Josh is always posting on his YouTube now at Howitz. Be sure to follow him. Uh, we're doing Dolphins details. So we kind of have this um uh, content calendar that's just in our heads. We should probably put it down somewhere. But as we were talking out things and we realized and, and Josh kind of said, he's like, you know, I usually don't release this podcast till like eleven o'clock go- <laughs> <laughs> Wednesdays. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna work with the title a little bit. We're gonna we might try Thursdays. We might try days that end with why with Merrick. But Merrick, either way, we're very excited to have you for uh show that, man, I think we've kind of referenced a lot throughout the years. And I don't know if everyone kind of understood it. Merrick, you are a big, big Ryan Tannehill guy too. Uh, Josh and I were doing a lot of writing during that time. A lot of writing, a lot of yelling on Twitter about Ryan Tannehill. So we're going to go through and look at the positions in 2023 that have us feeling Joe Philbin queasy. Now that was a tough time for this franchise when Joe Philbin was running the ball on 3rd and 10. But guys, do you remember... That queasy game because obviously I put, took some notes down here. I didn't remember how bad it was. I cannot remember. I thought I was kind of just being like an overreactive 19 year old, but oh my God, the Dolphins were a legitimate dumpster fire in 2013.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Joe Philbin, like, I mean, it's kind of funny that you get the quote from him because he's just that kind of guy. Like he gives you that kind of vibe all the way around. He was the coach going around the practice field, picking up the little little pieces of paper, picking up the little garbage, making sure everything was clean. And it's like, don't you have better things to focus on right
1: now? (laughs) Like, I don't know. But uh, yeah, that was Philbin for you. Yeah, that just reminds me of how much of a homer I really am. I mean, I remember Photoshopping, you know, Tana Goat. We all had Tannehill's head on goats. And um, I think we all could try to spin this Joe Philbin signing as, you know, uh, he's a mastermind, right? Maybe he'll bring in Matt Never Flynn. Happens. Maybe this offense is going to uh, do something. Then you found out like he really had nothing to do with the offense, you know, doesn't really know what he's doing. So uh, I've definitely referenced the queasy meter many times throughout the year. I'm trying to hold back a little bit, but I'll make sure I drop a lot of queasies in this episode. The patient zero for the queasy meter
3: came against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Joe Philbin decided to run the ball on third and nine with three minutes to play. Uh, Philbin actually came out and said, yeah, I was the one who told offensive coordinator Bill Lazor to run the ball on third and nine. Absolutely. I certainly did. I got a little queasy (laughs) when I saw those guys running free and the quarterback running for his life. So we punted the ball. That was that decision, but absolutely that was on me. I wanted to add in there that his tail was between his legs because, holy, that was the most depressing, scared <laughs> you know, quote I've got. And, and to make it worse, this was also the game, Josh, and I think we've referenced this a lot recently compared to in the past. Near the end of the game, the Packers were driving. I think they even had like a, a fourth and ten on this drive. The Packers had to go for it, and Philbin called the timeout to get the defense set. And then later on the drive after the Packers got that, it's about third and goal from like the three-yard line. You got Philip Wheeler isolated. I think it was, um, oh, I can't think of the tight end's name off the top of my head. Uh, but isolated one-on-one with a big physical tight end on the outside. Dolphins called timeout because they saw it was a mismatch. And then they just did the same exact thing. And this is what Philip or how Philip Wheeler said. I feel like it was 50% bad coverage and 50% bad call. Rodgers is a really good quarterback and he figured it out. So, guys, to kind of boil down what queasy means, it's just the fact you see. You see things are about to take a nosedive. You know it's about to get horrible, and that's the situation we're in. So, guys, we're going to go through a couple positions here. But before that, I want to just ask you guys a little exercise. Merrick, what does queasy mean to you? Oh, queasy means to me.
0: Well, you know, I'm a little bit older now, but uh, I had a few – few of those nights in my younger years at the bar maybe pounding back a, a few too many cold ones and uh you and Joe Philbin uh, yeah well I don't, I don't know if Philbin was a party guy I don't know if that was ever uh anything he was doing but uh you know I might have left the bar feeling a little queasy that night and certainly the following day I was uh queasy throughout the entire day so so uh you know Little little bit of Tylenol, a little bit of electrolytes in the system, and, you know, you get it out of the way. But uh, that's the first thing
3: I think of when I think of being queasy. Josh, other than Joe Philbin's face, what goes through your head?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, and for our longtime listeners, this is a story way back, but we were getting ready to do an interview with, I believe it was – it wasn't Brian Hartline. Who was the other one? Greg Camarillo. We we're getting ready to do an interview with Greg Camarillo when I was sitting in the car outside of Babies r Us. And right before that phone call was going down, I had to run in because I had the poops. So I was feeling definitely <laughs> queasy that day. Um, so I guess it's when you're getting ready to do something, you get a little bit of fear poops. You feel that rumbling in your stomach, you, the uneasiness. I guess now that I'm older, I can just call it straight up anxiety. But uh, yeah, that's what makes me feel queasy. Or, you know, even just seeing Adam Gay sitting on the sideline, right? Doodling on his notepad when the defense is out there. So uh, yeah, that's definitely queasy when you. When you feel that rumbling in your tummy and you need to need to just run.
3: (laughs) You just see like one leak spring and and you try to plug it, and you just see so many leaks just start coming out, and you just feel horrible about it. So, guys, considering the Dolphins rank second to last in total cap space, I think they're just ahead of the Minnesota Vikings, and have only four picks to work with in the uh, draft class, we have a decent idea of what this team is gonna look like this season. Um, they aren't gonna they can prove me wrong, but I don't think there's going to be any other major, like major waves coming this off season. Uh, maybe a little trade Tua for Lamar Jackson. I don't know, but I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> so guys, <laughs> I have five positions here and I just kind of, Oh, I actually have six. I'm lying to you. I have six positions here and I want to g- gauge your guys' insight in terms of how queasy should we be feeling about these groups? And I want to start with tackle where you have Teron Armstead, obviously the foundational piece of that offensive line. at left tackle Kendall lamb, Austin Jackson, uh, Jerron Christian and Keon Smith. So guys, I think there's something missing with this group, but initially uh, where does your queasy meter sit? Because while this does feel like I had a couple beers last night, I don't think I'm going to be spending all morning on the toilet.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think I might feel, I might feel a little more strongly uh, uh, about this group than you do, Jake, at least on, on terms of the queasy meter. I think you're coming in hot. This, this might be, you know, the, the position group that makes me the most queasy, Out of all the position groups on the Miami Dolphins, you know, Teron Armstead, great player, absolute great player. Dolphins got him on a bargain. But one of the reasons they got him so cheaply is the fact that he's often injured. And we saw that again last year. He missed a handful of games. And when he wasn't in the games, the pressure rate on Dolphins quarterbacks went through the roof. So, you know, now we go into season, uh, into the 2023 season with Teron Armstead manning the left tackle spot, knowing that after week 1 last year his doctors told him get season ending surgery and get the heck on out of here you know pre- preserve yourself make yourself healthy preserve thankfully oh. yeah thankfully he didn't do that thankfully he fought through that and and played well for us uh you know in a, in a few stretches there you know when he was on the field but w- we're dealing with that again and then at the right tackle spot like that is the number one position on this team that I feel needs to be upgraded if the Dolphins want to have a legitimate chance at winning a Lombardi trophy, at winning a Super Bowl. Austin Jackson, he just ain't it. And I know he's young, and I know he battled injuries last year, and Mike McDaniel has said that that he, you know, wants to see what Jackson can do this year if he stays healthy. But I'm just... I'm not feeling it with Austin Jackson anymore. I wasn't feeling it when they drafted him in the first place. He has a nice feel good story about donating. I think it was bone marrow to uh, his sister to, to help save her life when he was in college. And that's a, that's a great thing. That's a commendable thing. And he seems like an awesome person but he's not an awesome right tackle. He sucks at right tackle. tackle. He's an Austin right tackle, which apparently, you know, Austin 316 says I just whiffed that block because he can't block anybody on that spot. Uh, I'm done with Austin Jackson. We need an upgrade at right tackle. You know, where's it coming from? Because recently Mike McDaniel did an interview with Mike Silver where he talked about how, he places more of an of an emphasis, at least for the Dolphins, on playmakers than he does offensive linemen. And the proof is in the pudding on that. He went out and he got himself a Tyreek Hill and then passed on every available right tackle in free agency this offseason and said, I don't want to spend big money on a right tackle. So when you have a quarterback who uh, is as injury prone, and I don't really like that term, but you know we'll we'll go with what the the Twitter streets are saying. If you have a quarterback who's as injury prone as Tua of is, you need to build a brick wall in front of them. And if your brick wall is crumbling on the right side because you don't have a proper right tackle, then that that wall is suspect. And and Tua. Fingers crossed. Hope it doesn't happen. Tua could very well see himself injured again this year because of the Dolphins' inability to fix that right tackle spot. So my queasy meter is through the roof on that one.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of have to piggyback on that. I do think this is probably the the queasiest I will be throughout this, um, you know, throughout this pod. But I guess the one thing I would say is you did mention how he had that interview with Mike Silver. Said they put emphasis on playmakers, but then they also signed Connor Williams and Teron Armstead, so they did also try to address the room but when you have a left-handed quarterback I know despite what some people on Twitter might say you need that right tackle position solidified and right now it's just ain't it I mean Austin Jackson I want to sit here and be so optimistic you know you want to sit here and root for him and hope that he can turn it around and be that feel-good story he's 23 years old we know what they invested in him it turned into Minka Fitzpatrick right they got rid of Minka Fitzpatrick and got Austin Jackson so it, it stings I look at this unit outside of Teron Armstead and wonder what the hell is going on. You got Kendall Lamb written down here, Jake, Keon Smith. Last season, I think Brandon Shell even started some games at right tackle. So um, overall, this is the queesiest I will be. I just hope that somehow, some way, you know, an Austin Jackson some somehow just becomes that presence that we expect. And, you know, he again, I'm not going to sit here and try to spin this as you know Austin Jackson. This could be his year, but he does have now a familiarity with the new system. Who knows what he's going to do in year two with uh you know these coaching staff. But I think we can all say that. I do think we need to make those Austin Jackson 316 shirts. I just whiffed that block. I think they would sell like (laughs) hotcakes.
0: Hey, trademark. I, I, I just copyrighted that on my phone while we were doing this. Don't you try to steal that. I see all you guys on Twitter stealing everybody else's crap. You're reposting videos, reposting pictures like it's your own. Come on, man. Get some original content. I'm not naming names, but still.
3: Josh, we're talking about you. (laughs) <laughs> no,
0: Josh gets credit.
1: Josh, I, I do credit. sometimes steal them though. If there are people that follow me and they post something cool, there were times in the past where I would definitely gack that shit because
0: <laughs> you should be following me, bro. But but you you've reformed. You're better now. You give credit where credits due. Some of these guys are sneaky about it too. We're gonna. This is all the comments on the on the video are gonna be about this part. But some of these guys are sneaky. They'll repost somebody's video or their or their picture, and then an hour later they're like, oh, forgot to tag so and so when nobody cares it anymore because people have been scrolling for the past hour come on do better be better
3: looking at this offensive line looking at the tackle position Merrick you make a good point about needing a a big brick wall there but the only issue with a big brick wall is you can still walk around it Um, and a couple of Tua's issues last year weren't necessarily the offensive line's fault Um, so I do wonder if like with the resources Miami has available what is the highest ceiling we can get at an offensive line at this scenario and Josh you mentioned Brandon Shell, and and I don't know if I'm alone on an island here but I, I thought he actually played really well uh an experienced vet it's like I think he's played nine years in the league time with Seattle time with New York he was a god-awful left tackle so if Teron Armstead does continue to have issues I do not see that being a proper fix but Merrick, I'm going to go into the homerism here. I'm going to say Austin Jackson being only 23 years old is still so bananas to me. Like it's still hard to wrap your head around. And while he has struggled, I, I just don't know if, especially being a first round pick, especially with how hard it is to make contact on offensive linemen and especially how, you know, you, you hear that it's not often offensive linemen coming to the league right away and are great. And I'm not saying Austin Jackson is going to turn into being great, but I do still think there's a path. And we spoke about this a bit last year about Noah egg where maybe he starts out as the swing tackle this year, right? Maybe he's just that sixth lineman on the field has a couple of good blocks. All of a sudden he needs to step in at guard at tackle, whatever it may be. And that's how he works himself up. But I'm, I'm not ready to completely uh, punt him out of this room, whatever it may be. I I still think there is a situation where he can come become a successful player for this team, but guys, is it safe to say there needs to be some sort of other addition to this group? Because I don't think these four um, five, I should say, are going to cut it for uh, 17 games, at least going into next year. Uh, I'd love to see
0: somebody else added to the group. We had DJ Fluker, in uh last year looking like a monster and then he gets busted for the ped use and and that's a shame it might explain why he was looking so stacked out there but uh you know he's available he just had that hype video at alabama's pro day bring him back in let's see what he's got it you know worst case scenario you guarantee him the vet minimum it doesn't work out and you lose a few bucks it's going to be all right but i got a question for you jake if you're going to ride the austin jackson positivity train gun to your head is he still on this team in 2024?
3: Considering this is the last year of his rookie deal. With these players, it's always interesting. Um, gun to the head, I'd say he's. There's no doubt in my mind. He's still in the division. That might be making it too safe of a <laughs> safe of a yeah. bet here. But but usually you see these type of guys. It's always the I can fix him type, where it's like you know in the division we've seen him play. Oh, that's such a good question. I do think when you consider that Miami is replacing what uh, half of its roster in free agency this year, I I would say that unless he plays awesome and he gets a huge contract elsewhere, I have no uh, way where I don't see Chris Greer, Mike McDaniel, offering him some sort of cheap uh, contract to come back. You already hear the buzzwords of consistency, we have faith, we trust him, all that stuff. So I do think if he's – mediocre to maybe if he's let's just use a one to ten scale if he's anywhere between like a three to a seven i think he's back into miami if somehow he's an eight to a ten he's out of here uh one to three maybe he's out doing i don't know um boxing uh, celebrity boxing or something next year. Who knows?
1: <laughs> can, can i ask you guys a question because i mean no. i know it's been yeah i, I had to raise my hand because i didn't want to interfere with anything but um you mentioned Brandon Shell. I agree. I do think he played better than a lot of people give him credit. I liked his versatility there. But the question that we've kind of had since he was drafted with Robert Hunt was, could he play right tackle? So I know he's been great at guard. I just want to get your guys quick thoughts before we move on from that position. I mean, worst case scenario, you could kick Robert Hunt outside, but then you're opening up that guard spot. So what are your guys thoughts on Robert Hunt starting at right tackle?
0: I think tackles get paid a lot more than guards do. So I think it makes a lot of sense to move Robert Hunt out to tackle because you still have him on his rookie deal right now. You can move him out there and then you can go sign a quality guard for cheaper than you would have to you know, pay a starting right tackle. So if you don't have a lot of money, which the Dolphins don't, and you're looking to get a, a cheap fix on that offensive line, I like that idea of moving Robert Hunt out to right tackle and then signing uh, you know, a mid-tier guard to, to man that right guard spot.
3: Is there a, um obvious uh, power struggle between tackle and guard where, you know, if you were to pull the plug on a great right guard, let's say for an above average right tackle, just for the sake of this argument, does that improve the offensive line or does it hurt it, would you guys say? I
0: suppose it depends on who you get to play that right guard position, whether that's a a Dan Feeney. You know, they signed Dan Feeney from the Jets. Maybe he comes in and, and is an adequate replacement. And I guess it also depends on you know what you're going to do are the dolphins going to stick with that wide zone scheme where you need to run to the outside or are they going to try to go with more of a power gap system where you want to run it up the gut if that's the case then you keep robert hunt at right guard and and try and figure out your right tackle spot elsewhere but i think there's a lot of question marks on this offensive line and for that reason alone my my queasy meter my queasometer, it's at a 10 man
3: Continuing this easy queasy beautiful mindset here let's just keep it going with the offensive line and move right over to guard where you have Liam Eichenberg at 25 Robert Jones 24 Rob Hunt 26 Lester Cotton senior 27 guys before we dive into this I want to ask you tinfoil hat moment. Are they keeping Robert Hunt at guard so when he gets a contract extension, it's cheaper than being a right tackle, and they
1: instantly sl- slide him out there? Tinfoil hat. <laughs> any chance of that happening?
0: Uh, sure. Yeah, I would say that's a possibility. What do you think, Josh?
1: Yeah, that's. I was kind of going to joke the same thing when you were sitting there saying about how tackles get paid more. So maybe we should just hold off a little bit and l- sign him to a you know that extension. I like that, Jake. Make him. <laughs> let's guard. get it done. Th- let's get it done this year. He's right on the now, last yeah. year of his deal, right?
0: Right. He was drafted in the same. The same year that Tua was drafted that austin jackson was drafted it's the last year of his contract as well so give him the extension now while he's a guard and then
3: oh conveniently week two week three let's pump him out there someone was nice enough to throw in the sharp football analysis uh stats in here i don't know which one of you two that i don't think it was a, thank you merrick pleasure. um that's a great place to start let's just bite into it the team traded up to draft leon eichenberg two years ago and it just really has not worked out he has a pressure rate over 1,044 pass block snap rates. That's the worst in the league for a player with that many reps. He also missed seven games, then also a postseason game. So, guys, you look at this guard group. Let's just say, you know, Robert Hunt, for the sake of this argument, stamp him in at right guard. But, I mean, Robert Jones, Liam Eikenberg, even Lester Cotton, excuse me, that left guard spot's still up in the air.
0: Yeah. And what stings even more about Liam Eichenberg is Eichenberg is that they traded up to get him. They gave yeah. away future picks to draft him thinking that, hey, you know, he's versatile. He can play left tackle like he did in college. He can play guard. Maybe he can even play right tackle. We saw that some in his rookie year. And he's been objectively awful at all three positions. It's like, man, we thought he could play all these positions and it turns out he can play none of them. So. Uh, Liam Eikenberg, another guy that Mike McDaniel seems to view as a pet project, as somebody he wants to coach up and make better. My favorite thing is they're like, oh, that game against the Lions, that was his best game until he got hurt. And I'm like, oh, okay, so we've seen two good quarters of Liam Liam Eikenberg football in his entire career. Fantastic. Great stuff there. Um, I think he's. I think he's a below-average starter. Uh, not only is he a below-average starter, he is the worst starter in the. <laughs> you literally just said it using that sharp football analysis there. Uh, worst starter in the league. So, I guess if you're looking for a silver lining, there's nowhere to go but up.
1: Yeah, it's just sad. I mean, and you kind of want to hope that again, Eichenberg can somehow pull together. I mean, I feel like it was the same thing with him, right? When he got taken out, I think Mike McDaniel said similar stuff to what he did about Austin Jackson. You know, he was playing some of the best football of his career. This, that, and the other thing. And I mean, I do not
0: don't, hard, apparently. Yeah, apparently. it's not hard it, at all.
1: <laughs> you make two good blocks in a row, and all all of
0: a sudden, this is the best football you've ever played.
1: Yeah, and I guess the best thing he has going for him is he kind of looks like Mister Incredible. I looked up PFF grades, that's... and he has a thirty-nine point eight. So I mean, I don't know. That's atrocious. I guess which silver... is
0: great on a forty-point scale, but uh, unfortunately, me. it's a
1: one hundred-point scale, which is great for him, I guess. I, I do want to give props to Robert Jones. I think that he can, you know, probably yeah. start perhaps, and you know, continue to get better. I like what we saw to him. Um, I guess it'd be a similar question. I guess I have. For you guys like the Robert Hunt, if you were to find a center, would you have any issue moving Connor Williams to guard? I mean, I guess that would be the left guard spot, right? We'd have Hunt at right guard, maybe bringing a right tackle, but then you need a center, right? So um, I guess the one thing I will say is that the Dolphins have tons of versatility between all of these guys. And hopefully Mike McDaniel practiced what he preaches and does truly play the five best players. But I mean, as we saw last year, I don't know if that's entirely true.
3: Connor Williams. That's an interesting one. I guess my concern is why, why mess with a good thing? I mean, everyone was so concerned last year about the high snaps and then you're not realizing like you see the 60 snaps he plays, but you don't see the four months he's practices doing this, right? It's not like it's just as simple as, you know, uh, Connor Williams and, Dallas he played like a preseason game and a half at center and he was just snapping balls over heads left and right it's nobody really thought he'd be able to grow and develop into that so Merrick what what do you think about that if you know the Dolphins wanted to slide Connor Williams over to left guard would you be opposed to that personally I'd say just keep him at center
0: Yeah, I think my preference is to keep them at center, but I would understand the idea if they were to do it. If you can go out Mm -hmm. there and you can draft a center in, you know, third round, maybe even get one of the later round picks, you can draft a center. Center is one of those spots where you see later round draft picks actually excel because it's Mm -hmm. not. It's not, you know, the sexiest position to go out there and draft for. So if they were able to get somebody to man that center spot uh, in the draft or maybe somebody gets cut loose as uh, as as the offseason progresses and you're able to sign them on the cheap, I'd be okay with it. I would understand why they did it. But again, gun to my head, I think I would keep Connor Williams at center
3: and look to find that left guard elsewhere. To wrap this up about guard guys, um, to just max out the queasy meter, would you would is it safe to say that if you had to choose between a serviceable serviceable guard and a serviceable tackle, uh, you'd prefer a serviceable tackle and just kind of let the dice fall with the uh, guards?
0: Yeah, I think at this point we've we've had such poor play at the right tackle position for so long that I'd really like to see that get fixed. And again, I do think it's a little bit easier to find a serviceable guard
1: than it is a serviceable tackle in today's NFL. Yeah, I agree with that. And I do think we got to continue to talk about that money that they're going to get June 1st. Right. I mean, so maybe there is yep. someone that they're targeting. We know the draft's coming up. I know a lot of people have some nice right tackles, you know, projecting maybe the second round. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that, Jake. I think you find a serviceable right tackle, hopefully the right tackle of the future. And then you can let that left guard spot kind of battle it out between, you know, Eichenberg, Jones. Maybe you then sign another guard. But um. Yeah, we need to figure out that right tackle position because Portua, I mean, didn't he have Jesse Davis just a season ago or two seasons ago? God That's almighty. True.
3: That's true. Gross. Um, good note about the Byron Jones. Um, it's kind of like a weird savings account where in, in a weird way, like people might think we got to wait for June 1st. That's a bad thing, but i'm gonna spin zone again for you um comp picks if the dolphins aren't signing guys to these massive contracts and they're waiting it helps the comp pick formula moving forward so i think it's right after the draft if you start signing guys they don't count towards that formula anymore so in a way it's kind of helping miami out i don't think they'll really have any picks coming their way soon they continue to be spenders in free agency uh trades don't impact that as much but just just another thing to keep in mind with that group and what the dolphins are trying to accomplish that hey Hopefully we can pull out a third round pick or a fourth round pick somewhere in the next couple of years to uh, help rebolster this group that um, is going to be short on draft picks, at least this year. Uh, Let me see here. Let's switch over to running back. One more offensive position. And guys, this is a unique bunch because going into last year, you had chase Edmonds, Uh, basically instead of Jeff Wilson. Otherwise this group kind of looked the same with Raheem Mostert, miles Gaskin and Salvan Ahmed guys. The rushing game wasn't good. Like we can go back and watch some great highlights, some great games from Raheem Mostert. But if we're talking weeks one to seventeen, the Dolphins really struggled to have consistency in the running game. So give me some sort of verbal pepto that's going to tell me that hey, it's the same, but I promise this year's different. I promise.
0: Well, if you go back, uh, Raheem Mostert actually set career highs in rushing mm-hmm. yards um, and uh, still had a pretty pretty decent uh, yards per carry average. So. It, you know, you can spin it the other way. He is getting up there in age. He, he's north of 30, which everybody knows is kind of that, that cliff point uh, that running backs drop off when they hit that age. So uh, sometimes injured, uh, stayed relatively healthy last year, not the healthiest guy. Uh, you know, his past injuries sometimes catch up to him here. Uh, I don't feel super confident with this group moving forward. I feel more confident in this group than I did the offensive line, specifically garden tackle. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. There was a lot of rumblings, a lot of rumblings about the dolphins interested in adding a star running back this offseason, possibly trading for somebody like a Dalvin cook, a Derrick Henry, an Austin Eckler who that Eckler situation, that's certainly worth monitoring right now because it's solving. Yeah. yeah, there's, there's no, there's uh, no love loss there between him and, and uh, Los Angeles, the, the chargers there. So that's, that's something to keep an eye on um, Dalvin cook, possibly a, a post June cut could save the Vikings a little bit more. Uh, maybe the dolphins are able to sign him without trading away any draft picks, which would be ideal because they are getting that money from Byron Jones after June 1st, and they don't have a lot of draft picks to give anyway. So maybe a Dalvin cook comes in, maybe a Derrick Henry, maybe an Austin Eckler. If not Wilson and Moster certainly are serviceable. Um, so I I put my queasy meter somewhere in the middle on that one, maybe a five out of 10.
3: Josh, did the dolphins kind of fail at this position? If they were, uh, if we're still saying they need to do something despite giving out two, two year contracts during the offseason? season.
1: I, I mean, I think long-term you guys are both right. I mean, I definitely feel a little bit queasy about this unit and I just don't know if, some of it has to do, you mentioned him not having real success last year running the football. I mean, a lot of that had to do with just Mike McDaniel's play calling, right? There were just times where he absolutely abandoned the run. So you hope that between him learning from his mistakes, bring back the same unit. I mean, Merrick said that uh, Mostert had the most yards he had in his career, 891. But if you look at Wilson's combined, he also had 860 yards combined between his time in San Francisco and Miami. So I think they're both serviceable backs. I'm a little less queasy about this unit this season. But long-term, I mean, you absolutely need to bring someone in there, draft a young back. Um, you guys both mentioned Dalvin Cook, Eckler, Derrick Henry. I mean, we play fantasy. We would, I mean, I would absolutely do backflips if that were to happen. So um, find a running back, bring in if it's a Derrick Henry. I mean, why can't he be our modern-day Ricky Williams? I think I said that a few years ago. But overall, this unit's not as terrible as it seems. Running it back with continuity I can't even say that word. Running it back again. Um Continuity continuity yeah i don't what i say <laughs> continuality i think i said before is that even a word i like it, it. Is, I like it. Now, baby. is that a word because i did say can, that in like one of the other po- pods and i'm like got off i'm like dude i don't know if that's a word but can you
0: yeah. guys can you guys envision derrick henry in this offense even just what do the defenses what do the defenses focus on do you do you load the boxes to try to stop derrick henry or do you have light boxes to try and stop jalen waddle and tyree kill derrick and i know we're in we're living in fantasy land right now and it's very unlikely for this to happen but can you imagine derrick henry and the dolphins offense it would be
3: bonkers i would love it what would you have? You'd, you'd have to give up probably one of those guys, Mostert or Wilson. Um, I, I assume when you look at this running back group, Miles um, Gaskin and Selvon Ahmed are the odd guys out until a big contract's involved. And then those are the guys you're like, thank you so much for being here. Uh, but then I'd probably have to take a, a chunky pick next year. So it's, it's an interesting conversation, but, but man, we are reaching the point where I just don't know. Uh, you know, I know the salary cap doesn't exist is a, is a fun thing to say, but I just, think there is some sort of level and i think it'll be interesting to see if you see a team like the titans or the chargers decide all right we'll pay half their draft uh, or half their salary cap kind of like the dolphins did with ryan Tannehill a few years ago yeah, i think that's yeah. going to have to be the situation the dolphins find themselves in one very thrilling position gentlemen kicker jason sanders <laughs> he kind of picked things up near the end of the year but he did kind of still struggling we're not seeing that consistency i think he was actually near the bottom in terms of consistency so guys i don't think there's any cap flexibility if you get rid of someone like jason sanders i think you're on the books for about 3.5 mil either way so knowing that knowing that you're kind of locked into this contract is there any reason to be queasy? are we happy with jason sanders are we going to end up paying five million dollars for a kicker because some undrafted free agent guy is going to upend him how are we feeling
0: God, I think my feelings on Jason Sanders like change every other day, especially during the season. They're week to week. If he has a good week, I'm like, there he is, that's our guy, because he has seasons where he's been dominant. He's a former All Pro kicker in this league, like literally the best kicker in the league for a season, and then the following season he kind of craps the bed, and and he's one of the worst kickers in the league. And then the season after that, he picks it up again. So he's been such a roller coaster. Uh, you know, in Miami during his tenure in Miami, that I would be fine either way. You roll with Sanders, we see how it goes, hope that he has a good season, or you get rid of him and you say, you know what, we need somebody who's a little bit more consistent. But cor- kicker kind of, in a way, feels like the quarterback position where when you have a decent one, you're kind of hesitant to let that one go because there's so many bad kickers out there in the league and you don't want to be one of those teams that is bringing in a new kicker every three weeks and trying to figure out uh, if this guy is going to be the answer at the position. So I like Jason Sanders. Uh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to, to the hope that I have that he can regain form uh, and, and kind of continue the momentum that he had towards the end of last season, when he, he was playing a little bit better and and hope that he continues that into 2023. So my queasy meter, if I'm, if I'm here for the tackles and I'm here for the running backs, I think I'm just a notch lower for Jason
1: Sanders. I'll put that uh, uh at a four out of 10 on the, on the quizometer. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't even been doing the quizometer. My bad. I haven't been, keeping track of that too well I mean for me I guess I'd be a lot more queasy if the game's on the line and we see Jason Sanders going out there to try to kick the field goal right I mean I I get we I think you know he's a Up and down, I feel like that's kind of my same thought. It's a roller coaster ride with Jason Sanders. Earlier in the year, uh, last season, Jake and I did a podcast where we dropped the money sign from the beginning of his name, and then as uh, we got closer to the playoffs, I think I added it again. So, um, yeah, I don't think that you're going to sit there and get rid of him and replace him based on his salary alone. I mean, I guess that would maybe be the only reason they would even look elsewhere, but you got to feel a little bit confident in the way he finished the season. But, again, if he's trotting out there on the field to kick that game winning field goal, I'm going to feel a little – easy might have to run to the bathroom.
0: Well, well Josh, think back last year to your, maybe like your top five happiest moments as a Dolphins fan last year. And I guarantee you one of those moments is week 17 against the Jets when Sanders lines up for the game winning field goal. If he makes it, we're going to the playoffs. And if, if he misses it, we're we're likely not going to the playoffs. And what does he do? He makes the kick. And in that moment, all was forgiven for Jason Sanders. We all sighed a big breath of uh, of relief there and we were happy for him. So, so yeah, you're right. Towards the end like, of the season, he did line up for that game when he and he
3: made it. I like what you said about comparing the quarterbacks because Matt Flynn has film out there where he threw six touchdowns. Jason Sanders has a season out there where he was the best kicker from above 50 yards and that right there. And then you sprinkle on the contract and Miami's lack of flexibility. It's going to be so hard that uh to make any type of switch that i think we are stuck we are going to be stuck having the jason sanders meal it might murder our stomachs or it might just kind of go all right but i do think this is one very complex position not because uh you know it's such so hard to find a good kicker just because we know what he's capable of we know about the inconsistencies but like a matt flynn six touchdown game we have that Uh, you know first team all pro appearance from him. we have this track record of success and we're just kind of hoping we can get that again i'd rather have that than go with the unknown of an undrafted guy guys let's wrap up quickly here with two defensive positions one i want to start with safety which is a little interesting because you have Javon Howe and Brandon Jones, freshly signed Deshaun Elliott from the Detroit Lions, Verone McKinley, and Elijah Campbell. This is an interesting group because despite that addition, despite me naming off five names, the Dolphins have been continued to be linked to safeties for most of this offseason. So guys, if they don't make a move at safety, is there any uh, rumblings of queasiness coming up
0: there? I think you might see... Uh, maybe an undrafted rookie addition in the safety room, or maybe that that sixth or seventh round pick goes to a safety. Vic Fangio loves his safety, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him add another one. But as far as I'm concerned, that looks like a solid group. If Brandon Jones can come back from, I believe it was an Achilles injury. Was it an Achilles or was it an ACL? I can't remember. Lower extremity. If he can come back from that, and that's a tough injury to come back from. If he can come back from that, okay. I think that, that group is is pretty much set. I like the addition of Deshaun Elliott. He's the thumper there. He can play linebacker or come up, come up into that linebacker spot. Vic Fangio loves to run the three safety looks, so you can kind of get a lot of those guys on the field at the same time. Probably need a, another body there, but as far as the queasy meter goes, that's pretty low on, on uh, my list of, of things that worry me about this team.
1: Yeah, that's, I agree. That's probably the position out of all these that we discussed that I'm probably the least queasy about. I do think a lot of it relies on Brandon Jones, whether or not he can stay healthy. I did uh, write down Holland played in the box 162 snaps last year, 784 in at uh, free safety, and then he also played the slot 102 times. Elliott's kind of a similar guy that can come down, play in the box. He saw 280 snaps in the box. 364 at free safety, 124 in the slot. So, um, we talk about versatility up and down until we're blue in the face. I mean, all of these guys got some versatility. And Jake mentioned Ver- Verone McKinley III. I mean, I think we all had high hopes for him as one of those guys that could, you know, stick on the roster. He had familiarity with Holland in school. So, um, I'm interested to see what he can do in this Vic Fangio defense. But all it would take is one of these guys to, you know, knock on wood, go down, that you would start to feel a little bit queasier about this unit, obviously. And they got Javon Holland. I mean, I don't think we can praise him enough for how good he is, how much he was asked to. To do I mean they're going to take some of that off him with those two, uh, those two safety looks? So he's going to be able to roam around a little bit more. You get Brandon Jones back. I do think this is one of the better units on out of this squeezy, you know, podcast that we're doing, and maybe even on the Dolphins' defense.
0: Yeah, my biggest worry with Javon Holland is—is is he going to change his number to zero the year after I bought his number eight jersey? Because I'd be pissed.
1: Definitely. <laughs>
3: Last one, guys, inside linebacker, where they signed David Long Jr. from the Titans. Duke Riley is entering his seventh season, his third with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Jerome Baker entering his sixth year, all with the Miami Dolphins. And Channing Tindall, he's played all two snaps of his career with the Miami Dolphins. So we look at this group, and this one, I think I'm going to put all the way up there i'm kind of high on the queasy meter with this one not necessarily because i don't like the names david long jerome baker those i think are two quality starters but man this group doesn't have a lot of depth this group doesn't have a lot of direction and i think you know you have a second round pick a third round pick and a little money to spend in free agency i i think linebackers a position that can have a lot of variance in terms of still being one of the better positions on this roster a lot of room to grow i should say
0: Yeah. Interesting enough, when Tyreek Hill was doing that interview with the Kansas City radio station this week, they asked him, uh, you know, what position they thought or he thought the Dolphins would address early in the draft with that second round pick, their first pick in the draft. And he answered linebacker. He said he thought the Dolphins would go after linebacker. So there's there's an Iowa boy close to my heart being an Iowa guy myself. Uh, Jack Campbell, he is a, a solid, real solid player at the inside linebacker spot. Uh, the Hawkeyes have a, a history of having some quality players at inside line, linebacker. No huge stars or anything like that, but just, just lunch pail guys that are going to get their jobs done. What's so I need? could see, yeah, I could see a Jack Campbell maybe in the second or third round if they want to go that route. But I agree with you, Jake. I think I'm right there at, at maybe a six or a seven on the queasy meter as far as inside linebacker goes because of the depth and the lack of depth. And if one of those guys goes down and you have Channing Tyndall or Duke Riley coming in to start games, that's going to be a weak spot that opposing offenses are going to want to attack. So yeah, right about a six or a seven on the queasy meter for me, as far as inside linebacker goes.
1: Yeah, I think what's most sad about this entire uh, you know pod and the rundown we did is all of these things probably made us queasy last season too. I mean, linebacker's <laughs> definitely up there with right tackle with me. I'd probably be right underneath it because I do have you know high hopes for David Long Jr. if he can stay healthy. I thought Channing Tyndall was I think Lightning McQueen playing Twisted Metal or something like that. I mean, I hope to see him do anything that we saw on tape. You know, there at Georgia. So I I am definitely queasy, definitely think they're going to add someone and definitely agree with both of you that if someone were to go down, we would be screwed. And based on David Long, I mean, wasn't it Mike Vrabel or whoever it was, you know, said he had soft tissue issues and Channing Tindall really couldn't even see the field last year much. So besides Jerome Baker, I mean, you're looking at that unit. Duke Riley's basically a special teams guy that can feeling a little bit here and there. But yeah, absolutely. This thing makes me queasy. And I do think that between linebacker and right tackle, those last season were probably my top needs again this season. So interested to see what happens here, the way the Dolphins go about things. And also the way Tyree Kill, like you mentioned in that pod, I think he even said we lost our, our inside linebacker to Pittsburgh, you know, talking about Landon Roberts. And basically, I don't even know if he realized they signed David Long Jr. So we'll see the way that unit works its way out and hopefully you know that's not that weakness that we just see defenses constantly attacking throughout the season.
4: So before oh, we
0: you. go gentlemen, I know you said that was the last one Jake. I got a surprise one for y'all cuz you can't do a video about the Miami Dolphins without talking about Tua Tagovailoa. You got it right Jake. We need to talk about these quarterbacks. Do you guys feel queasy at all about the quarterback room going into uh, into 2023? Tua Tungvaloa, when healthy, one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL last season, was in the MVP conversation for a month there right in the middle of the season. But obviously, whenever you talk about Tua, you have to talk about the injury history. And he missed five games, including the playoff game, because of concussions. So do you think, you know, with him doing the jujitsu this offseason, do you think those issues will be behind him, or do you think those are always going to be part of his game and the Dolphins will have to be looking for a quarterback in the near future? And if he does miss games in 2023, are you confident in Mike White and or Skylar Thompson?
1: Josh, you want to go first or do you want me to take a bite out of the apple? Yeah, you can go first. Take the bite out of the apple and let me uh, try to reel us back in. So I'm queasy about Tua.
3: I'm not queasy about the quarterback room. Um, You mentioned the concussions with Tua, and that is an issue. I do think his training the offseason is going to help. But you can't train to fall against broken ribs. He had pinky issues. It seems like these injuries have followed him. So until we ha- we don't see it, until we see the full season, I'd love to say that he's the guy. But until then, I don't think we can. So that's where I'm feeling a little queasy. I'd probably put quarterback, just because it's such an important position, I wouldn't put it as high as a tackle or, or inside linebacker but maybe on the same level as a running back or maybe even guard in terms of what we need to see out of this group. Um, That's fair. When, That's we look fair. At, when we look at the offensive uh, quarterback room in a whole, they kept three quarterbacks last year. I think they're going to keep three quarterbacks again. I don't see any um, changes or disputes to why they wouldn't keep three again, especially if Skyler Thompson is now has experience and has played in a playoff game he seems a little more valuable. So personally, Josh, I don't know about you, but I'd say uh, the two long-term I'm a little queasy, but of the quarterback room, I think the dolphins are prepared.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like I can echo that exact sentiment. And I mean, I, I'm so high on Tuatonga Valoa. everybody knows that. I was high on him in the draft. Think the world of him, but you're right, Jake. I mean, we can sit here and discuss his injuries till we're blue in the face, but at the end of the day, he's yet to play a full season And until he does. I mean, long-term, you have to wonder if the Dolphins aren't going to be right back in the situation where we're waiting year after year to find that franchise quarterback and being held back because they still haven't found the guy since Dan Marino. So we love what Tuatonga Valoa can do when he's healthy. I wish life was like uh, Madden, where we could just turn uh, injuries off and watch him play an entire season because until it gets to December. I mean, he's arguably the best, uh, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in all of football like that. They brought in Mike white. I, uh, you know, I think he's a better option than Skylar Thompson, but I think both of them are a better option than what we saw from Teddy Bridgewater (laughs) smiling on the sideline. I just know we're going to always drag him in the dirt for that. And even Jacoby Brissett to an extent the year before. So I like the way this unit's starting to shape up, but again, it's ultimately going to come down to whether Tua can stay healthy. Although I say that, and I do think Mike white or even maybe Skylar Thompson could fill in there and win those games that last year, you know, we may have lost. So I get where you're
0: both coming from. I absolutely understand what you guys are saying, but I'm gonna go out on a limb right here, right now, today, April 7th, 2023. I'm going to say that Tua Tonga Vailoa, who really wants that long-term deal, he wants that long-term money, he wants to set his family up for life. I'm saying right here, April 7th, 2023, Tua Tonga Vailoa plays all 17 games in the regular season for the Miami Dolphins this upcoming year doesn't miss a game <laughs> doesn't miss <a> game. <laughs> she can come on the camera hello hello little one <laughs> uh, i think Tua Tungavailoa plays all 17 games in the regular season for the Miami Dolphins this year and in doing so i think he leads the team to the playoffs and gets his first exposure as a playoff quarterback in the NFL for the Miami Dolphins book it you're getting cocky mario you're Fl- you're getting real cocky
1: over there Fl- fluffy I- the I- rabbit agrees fluffy the rabbit agrees <laughs>
3: I was honestly gonna say that it, you know, we said he needs to stay healthy, but I mean, I was gonna say that maybe it doesn't even have to be 17. I think we all know that uh, football is a physical sport, and if he misses a game or two with a jammed finger or anything like that, I think that that really wouldn't be what I was looking for in terms of like, uh, oh, you know, he needs to prove he's uh, can avoid these injuries. I think those things are always gonna happen. So let's say he if he was to play 15 games or whatever, uh, I'd be cool with that. But man, that. You're, for April 7, man, I guess that is the best time to be cocky, right? <laughs> That's why we got, win the offseason every year. Oh, we can't lose the offseason, I'll tell you that for sure. Uh, guys, uh, cut me off if you think I'm wrong here, but, but I'm just going to go through them. If we start tackle, tackle's got the belly really rumbling here. And a little beneath that, we want to say inside linebacker, but those are probably 1A, 1B-ish. Guard, um,
4: maybe.
3: Guard, I was going to say like right underneath there. Mm-hmm. And then maybe quarterback, running back, kicker. Just because kicker, we are just going to have to deal with it no matter what kind of thing. How, how does that does that sound about right?
0: Yeah, we'll just score touchdowns and go for two every time. Math sounds good. Math to me. is the right way to do it.
3: But gentlemen, I hope your stomachs have settled. I hope you've had some fun, and everyone out there, I hope you had uh, not too miserable of a time listening to us talk about. Um, uh, using the laboratory a little too often but thank you thank you thank you so much for listening thank you so much for watching if you're joining us on the youtube at houtz that's how it's, if you're liking what you're listening to and or watching please 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 hit that subscribe button it helps a bunch but until next time for FinSider radio for whatever day it is with merrick Finza.